Mr. Chief Justice, please the court. So when you see tough guys or, or beating people up for no reason, what do you feel like doing? I'll ask you that question. This is Life of the Law. I'm Nancy Mullane. On every city block, there are rules. Some are unspoken, some require friendly reminders, and some are enforced by the law. Is it ever okay to break the rules in order to prevent others from breaking the rules themselves? Life of the Law's Caitlin Prest has our story. Henry Rivera grew up with his mom in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. I wasn't supposed to be born. My mother was in love with a doctor who was married. Whatever happened, happened, and I came along. And they beat her up, trying to kill me. She was seven months pregnant. So they induced an early birth, and I came out um, with no damage whatsoever. At the age of 14, I was almost 200 pounds of solid muscle. The neighborhood where Rivera grew up, like many in New York in the 80s and 90s, was a little rough around the edges. Back in the days, uh, there was a certain area that you couldn't pass the line because you would get beat up. It was more like survival. But for better or for worse, he loved it. The neighborhood was great. It's always been a family neighborhood in a lot of ways. Rivera got older and started a family of his own there. And he became an important person in the neighborhood. He became that guy that people would rely on to take care of things. I met him through a friend, Pablo Araldi, who had opened up a bike shop on the main stretch. Henry came into the shop and just went right up to the counter and introduced himself just to introduce himself because we were the new kids on the block and that's his block. Uh, so he ha- he knows everybody on that block because he makes sure that people know him. And it, it wasn't obvious, you know, from the beginning um, what Henry did. You just knew that there was a reason to respect him. <laughs> and I don't usually question those kind of gut instincts. <laughs> I just went ahead and respected the man wholeheartedly. Araldi over the years came to think of Rivera as a block boss figure. Others call him the mayor of the block. But one thing is certain, you don't want to get on his bad side. You know, if you need a hug, we give you a hug. If you need to be smacked, we give you a smack. That's the community that I lived in. And there are a lot of communities like Rivera's around the United States where people take the law into their own hands. There are a lot of situations in which people's desire for order is not being addressed by whatever legal authority is in charge. That's Laura Beth Nielsen. She's a research professor at the American Bar Foundation and the director of the Center for Legal Studies at Northwestern University. And sometimes other systems are working just as well, and you don't need the police, right? So you can have – there's research about um, tight-knit but very crime-ridden areas where a lot of the policing is actually done through networks of mothers and grandmothers. Or people like Henry Rivera. Neighbors say, in the worst of times, he tried to keep the block safe when no one else would. 
My name is Laura Hoffman. I've lived here all my life. I'm 54 years old. In the 90s, Laura Hoffman was bringing up six kids in a low-income housing apartment right around the corner from Rivera. I used to have to get up maybe a half hour, 45 minutes early in the morning just so I could sweep up the crack vials and and needles and stuff that were hanging out in our hallway. My kids knew what I meant when I, when, when I said hit the dirt. Hoffman said she turned to the police for help. As soon as something would start going wrong, she would call her local precinct. And she would call. And she would call. Anytime that I ever called them, I didn't get a response. Um, not a good one, at least. Hoffman says she tried everything from filing over 20 official complaints to showing up at the precinct in person. But to her mind, the 94th Precinct was an R&R, R&R precinct. precinct. Which is a rest and relaxation <laughs> precinct. You want to go sit over there? Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Johnny Barella is the former sergeant of the 94th Precinct. Sometimes the police can't do everything. Or, you know, we, they, we did a lot with a little. He worked here at the time Hoffman was bringing up her kids, when crime rates and drugs were really a problem in the neighborhood. He grew up here, too. We're sitting in his favorite bar, which is also a pizza joint. The police department, politicians, they, they, they handcuff you. They don't look at the, the real sense, and they worry about numbers, and they worry about... I mean, there's rules and policies and, and rules and regulations. They... Uh, they, they don't allow you to do your job the way you really should do it or, or want to do it. They, they're always crunching numbers and looking for this and that, and you really don't care about the paperwork. Your, your job is to get the bad guy, you know? But then you have to understand the paperwork's important because you've got to prosecute him. Our job doesn't end with just putting handcuffs on somebody when we know it's the bad guy. We've got to put him away in jail, so. Barella admits that things were pretty bad. People didn't, didn't feel safe, warm and safe. It, it, you know, nobody was really safe. I mean, there were murders. There were, everyone knew about it. Everyone either, unfortunately, was a victim or knew someone close or relatively close to them that, that was a victim. Some sort of crime, they were victimized, either by a larceny, break-in, car theft, or burglary, or, or worse. So people did not feel safe. And this is where a guy like Henry Rivera comes in. He understands what the police were up against. Yeah, cops have to run by all these laws of forget gathering evidence and all that. I mean, I don't have to. That's it. I don't have to. Nor am I going to waste my time. When I mention Rivera in our interview, Laura Hoffman smiles wide. You know, if you have a problem, he's there for you. She's among the people who have turned to him for help. Let's just say that he did what the 94th Precinct didn't do. According to Hoffman and other people in the neighborhood, that could be any variety of things. One example involved a group of crack addicts. There were a lot of characters that that were hanging out on the corner. And, of course, it was near, like, kids that that he knew that that were passing by. He took care of it. (laughs) And when Hoffman says he took care of it, She doesn't mean Rivera called the police and filed a report. When he saw a couple of drug users out on the corner... I walked downstairs like a normal Puerto Rican would do in his boxers, 
and chancletas. And as I walk out the door, I, I actually jump out the door, and there's two garbage cans there. One is metal, and well, not old school metal, you know, that aluminum wrestling match metal, you know, the soft one. And one is plastic. I pick the plastic one up, and I swing. Like I do a full uh, 360 with the handle, and I clobber the guy. Right? I mean, he is done. One shot, done. There was garbage in this plastic one. The silver one was empty. So I picked the silver one up. I, I've never, yeah, I, you know what? I enjoyed it. Fuck it. I clobbered her over the head with the metal one. And she fell and shut the fuck up. And he, he, he actually got that, that corner cleaned up. I would say in a matter of weeks. This is only one of many stories Rivera has about keeping the neighborhood in shape. There was another instance where he caught someone stealing a lady's purse. It would have been self-defense if I just gave him three kicks instead of 35 of them. And, you know, (laughs) I'm sorry, you know, but he was mugging someone. There was an older lady. So his methods are a little extreme. But I figured maybe Barella, the retired police sergeant from the neighborhood, might be sympathetic, especially given his admission that the police weren't super effective in handling the crime in the neighborhood. I don't believe in vigilantes, and, you know, that that wouldn't be the society I'd believe in. But this man's justice or penalties of beating, sometimes he might make a mistake. And one person's going to be victimized himself. And then I get involved because... He just committed assault. Either Roy commits an assault. I, I mean, mean, I'm, a, I'm not going to say that I like it when somebody has to use that kind of force, but sometimes people have to do what they have to do to keep their, their corners livable or, or safe. He, he, he's the kind of person that if, uh, if he felt that it was needed, I would trust him. You know, then I'd say that, you know, if he if he thought that he had to re, uh, resort to something like that, then he had his reasons. So in the eyes of the law, Rivera is a criminal. But in the eyes of the community, he's a keeper of the peace. Well, if he has the backing of his community, um, then there is a there is a way in which it's legitimate. That's Laura Beth Nielsen again. When taken to the extreme, you know, say he begins um bringing out a baseball bat or a gun, you know, no, that's not legitimate. But insofar as there are things that aren't doing serious violence and it's a shared norm in the neighborhood, um, that's, right, that's, um, that's community. You know, that's what we call community. But don't you think that Rivera's methods kind of sound like they're crossing the line that Nielsen's talking about? The serious violence line? There's a lot of people who need to get their asses handed. And I slapped him hard enough where he was I'm going to smack you in the fucking mouth. And I clobbered the guy. If you need to be smacked, we give you a smack. On the other hand, if we're talking about community norms, especially at this particular time in Greenpoint, this type of behavior was pretty common. Even Laura Hoffman swung a baseball bat from time to time. 
nothing like having a crazy lady coming at you at 3 a.m. with a Louisville slugger. You tend to listen. If I'm a product of my surroundings, then I'm a happy product of my surroundings because at least we never let anyone get away with bullshit. While his approach might be in harmony with his immediate community, they are in conflict with the norms of the general public. His use of violence is what pushes his role in the neighborhood from neighborly to potentially criminal. I asked him why he felt he had to take things so far all the time. So when you see tough guys or or beating people up for no reason, what do you feel like doing? I'll ask you that question. Running? You can't hear it very well because I'm cowering a little, but I say... Kind of. Kind of. Sorry to say it like this, but the gangster in me is coming out. It's pussies like you, okay? that piss me off. Because when you stand around watching someone get hurt and don't do shit about it, that's a big fucking problem. And a lot of people do that. You know, I could see where he's coming from. And, you know, realistically, you know, did I, did I ever go through my mind maybe? You know, certainly, we're all human, but you know what, we all come back to the, you can't do that. You know, it's, a, it's not gonna work. You know, there's always somebody tougher, and so it just comes into war and battle, and it's, it'll never stop. He's just the thug. But Rivera is more than just a thug. He shows up at city council meetings. He lobbies for things he thinks are important. He coaches Little League Baseball. He's all for what he calls good cops but only to a certain point. Well, we have laws on books for a reason. They fit in when they are taking care of things. When they're not taking care of things, they don't fit in at all. According to Hoffman and other people on the block, even Sergeant Barella himself, they weren't taking care of things. And the fact is, there are a lot of people like Rivera in high-crime urban communities across the U.S. Communities that for many reasons don't see the law as a reliable source of protection. Block bosses, mayors of the block, mothers and grandmothers, gang leaders. People that take on an unofficial position as arbiter of order, and sometimes running afoul of the law for doing that. I've been arrested. You know, I didn't do any time. You know, once everyone finds out what really happens, you know. I've been in trouble, but never convicted on anything. What the fuck, God? You gotta record these numbers. It's a new generation. Yeah, a new bike shop, but that's been there for a while. Nowadays, Greenpoint is mostly gentrified. There seems to be less of a drug problem, at least out in the open. Rivera spends less time beating up crackheads and more time building movie sets and doing stand-up comedy. Though, you better be sure, he'll still give you a smack if he thinks you deserve one. For Life of the Law, I'm Caitlin Prest. And I'm Nancy Mullane.
Block Boss was reported and produced by Caitlin Prest and edited by Julia Barton. Howard Gelman of KQED is our engineer. Life of the Law is funded by the Open Society Foundations, the National Science Foundation, the Law and Society Association, and the Proteus Fund. We're a nonprofit project of the Tide Center, and we're part of the infinite guest network of podcasts from American Public Media. You can also find Life of the Law on PRX, Public Radio Exchange, and on our website, lifeofthelaw.org. We'd like to ask you to share your stories about the law in your life. Was there a moment when you came face-to-face with the law? Was it in court or maybe out on the street? Did you know the rules or were you alone? Were you with friends? How'd it turn out? We'd like to ask you to record yourself using the Voice Memo app on your smartphone. You can email it to our team at connect at lifeofthelaw.org or you can write out your story and send it to us at connect at lifeofthelaw.org. You can also give us a call and leave your story on our voicemail, 415-761-1LAW or 415-761-1529. Next week on our sister podcast, Live Law. I've been um, having, you know, uh, bad dreams about, you know, uh, the robbers coming in our house at night. And I must be a conservative kid because the robbers are always hippies. And... (laughs) They laugh and, you know, give us the peace sign as they <laughs> mishandle my coin collection and shoot us full of holes. That's next week on Live Law. I'm Nancy Mullane. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Amy Choi. And I'm Rebecca Lair. And we are the Mashup Americans. The Mashup Americans. <laughs> uh, think of us as your guide to the hyphen America world we live in. Are you first generation Korean American, married to a Colombian Mexican American, and making beige babies? Us too. Or do you speak three languages and eat Salvadoran pupusas at Shabbat? Is Spanglish your best language? That's me. <laughs> uh, Spanglish is definitely your best language. Yeah, it was kind of a problem in graduate school. <laughs> eh, don't worry about it. We're, we're done with that. So we've got a new show here on the awesome Infinite Guest Network. You can go search for Mashup Americans in your favorite podcast app and check it out. We've got a great story about the mashup life of Donald Trump. Oh, and I just went to Margaret Cho's house to Netflix and chill. Kind of. <laughs> oh, my God. Vamos, let's do this. As we like to say, get to know yourself, America.